For a second without music, can we lift our hands and just give God glory? Just lift your hands. How many just want to move 
of the Spirit for God to move in this place. Will you lift your voices up to him right now and cry out to Spirit was moving over the waters. Spirit 
Says the Bible says the beginning was the word, and the word where was with God. I'm okay. You can take it back with you. And it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that the earth was without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep. It's a picture of despair. It's a picture of loneliness. It's a picture of chaos. But there's in the middle of that, that verse, there is something in that chapter that shows us something. In the midst of all the destruction, in the midst of all those things, there's one bit of hope. You know what it is? There's an end there, and it says, and the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. I want you to know this morning before we get started, if you could just stand and begin to pray where you are, spirit and, uh, spiritual intercessors. I want you to know this, that no matter where your situation is, the spirit of God is still hovering above it. The spirit of God is still hovering above the waters. And here's something even better, that the spirit of God is not just hovering over the waters, but the spirit of God is living on the inside of you. The Bible says, and now that same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you. Why is that important, Pastor? Because as we get ready for this next sermon series, we're going to be talking about war. We're going to be talking about rebuilding. But, and we're going to talk about putting back some things that were broke. But you need to know that all the things that I preach in this next sermon series are possible and attainable. You know why? Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't know about you, but I believe like Paul said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever think. Does anybody serving exceedingly God this morning? Will you give God a praise in this place? <laughs> Hallelujah. We serve a God that will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. We are starting a new sermon series today. Guys, if you don't mind, will you give a hand clap and welcome our online audience, those who come and follow with us online and are part of our family. We're so thankful for you. Thankful for Terry. She's already gone down, but she'll hear this again. Very appreciative for those who invest in our children. Our children are a very precious resource. So we're so glad and happy that you guys are, are honoring her today. Yeah, and this pastor's appreciation month. The whole month is clergy appreciation month where we want to honor those who serve. And I want to, those who listen to me, I have some pastors that do listen to me online. I want to say thank you for your service. For the pastors that are in this room, we have pastors in this room serving and leading in different capacities. And even if that might not be your title, that might be your calling. And so sometimes you don't have to be called something to do it. Do you know that? <laughs> that somebody giving you a title doesn't make you who you are. But the Bible says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. 
And I appointed you to be. When we give titles to people, all we're doing is affirming on the outside what God has already done on the inside. And we have a lot of people who are pastoring people, a lot of people who are taking over and doing leadership roles. And for those as we grow, I'm thankful for those. There is a word for the Lord from the Lord today. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. They may not have it up yet. Um, they were doing uh, some things, and they, they did get it up. Everybody, what's the topic of our, uh, of our sermon for today? Nehemiah, picking up the pieces. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll get that in a second. And we're coming to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this. And uh, when they get it up, you can read it with me. They have it. Our media team's on point. I want to thank the media team. My daughter works a lot on that media team back there. And Haley works really hard. All those slides and things, guys, y'all see? Y'all see it? Haley was able to go in, and she was dog-tired. And, and a lot of times, that's away from, from talking about their kids because they don't want them, people to think that their kids are better than anybody else's. But the truth of the matter is, Haley spent all day yesterday at a Model UN conference of which she hosted, bringing in kids from all over the state and even Canada. Uh, and, and it was so successful, they even had somebody from NATO to be able to attend their meeting and people from Ukraine and different things. Haley's very involved in Model UN and politics, most of you might not know, but Haley wants to be an engineer and a lawyer and go into politics one day. I can picture her as being a senator or the governor of this state uh, and things like that, couldn't you? <laughs> and she came in, and I have to tell you this, a lot of pressure we pastors put on their children, a lot of things that are moving and working. Pastors' kids have to know they have to be here before you. Even Anna's here putting on mics and doing things, and they have to do things. They never complain. They never talk about what they do, but they come in, they clean bathrooms, they do all those things, and, and I'm very grateful for my family and for my kids, and Pastor's Appreciation Day, ministry is not done alone. You cannot do ministry alone, and I want to give a big thank you to my family for the things that they do. Can we give them a hand clap? <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1. Oh, I'm excited about this. Hallelujah. Let's read it together. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. If you messed it up, it's okay. Nobody knows what that word is. Let's keep going. Now it happened in the month of Chishlev, in the 20th year, and I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had exile and concerning Jerusalem and they said to me the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire as soon as I heard these words I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven and I said O Lord God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you at night for the people of Israel your servants Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my fathers have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servants. 
Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to our prayer, the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Today, our sermon series is going to be picking up the pieces, but we have a different title today. Everybody say, keeping it real. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We thank you for your words. Speak your service. Listen. Praise in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, in the South, there's a saying that says, that a borrowed lesson will beat a bought lesson any day. What does that mean? That means that in the grand scheme of life, I would much rather take your advice from your mistakes than have to pay for them on my own. Because those mistakes are expensive. You will learn from them, but they're expensive. I'd rather borrow a lesson from you than to have to live it and buy it on my own. And I'm so glad that God has given us his word and he's allowed other people throughout time to live these lessons so that we can take them and apply them to our lives so as we go through, we're not trying to just figure it out. Aren't you so glad that you don't have a God that just left you alone trying to figure it out, but he loved you so much that he put his word in your heart. He loved you so much that he put his spirit in his heart. He left his word for you to read and to be able to guide and to navigate through life. And as we talk about Nehemiah picking up the pieces, this is important for us to know because Nehemiah is in a foreign country. Nehemiah has never been back to Jerusalem because the Jews are in exile. That's part of the that you've been reading God made a pact with Israel he said if you do what I ask you to do you will have blessing you will have plenty you will be in this land and you will prosper but if you ever forget who I am I will have to remind you that who I am. I will have to remind you that it is not you that are doing what you're doing, but it is I who am doing this for you. I love the scripture that says, Brother Dave, it is he who has us and not we ourselves. It's amazing to me that a lot of times we get in a position in life where we feel like we need God. When we're broken, when you're in prison, when you're without a job, when your marriage is in trouble, when your life is in trouble, you are very humble. You need God in a way that you never needed him before. Your posture is generally saying, God, whatever you give me, I'll take it because I'm dead because all I see is hell and high water in my life and God I need some relief but it is the nature of humans that as soon as God gives us some relief and we come from under the pressures of life we begin to struggle. 
I can't account to tell you how many times I've seen people that were faithful to God when they didn't have a car. They were faithful to God when they had to bum a ride to church. They were faithful to give to God when they didn't have but $2 in their pocket. They were the best tither in the church. Never missed a tithe when all you had was $20 a week. But when they got a job and God blessed them with that job that they were believing for, they decided that that job was more important than God himself. And they stopped showing up at Bible study. They stopped showing up at, at church. Why? Because I'm so tired. My job has me tired. Because after a while, when God lets the pressure come out, Brother Dave, oh, how soon we forget that it wasn't us that gave us the job, nor us that gave us the strength to work it. The Bible said that in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we breathe, and have our being. That job you have is not your is a provision. It is not your provision provider. Jehovah Jireh is your provider. But when we get into a comfortable place, oh, how soon we forget God. Somebody says, I'm single, Lord, and I, I want a man or I want a woman. How is it that it, when you want the woman and the man, when God finally allows you to have one, that you can't seem to get out of the bed because you've enjoyed your night with them, but now you don't want to come to church. You don't want to serve him. That we tend to not be faithful when God makes us comfortable, when he delivers us from our mess. That's why David said, it was good that I be afflicted. It's not good for Christians to be comfortable and have ease all the time. Because when we have comfort and ease, Sister Barbara, we get lazy, don't we? <laughs> We get lazy when God is good to us. And we decide that church is an option. I may go today. I may go today. And never realizing that we're going to worship somebody that never said, I may let you breathe today and I may not. I may protect you while you're working. I may not. <laughs> so we see a God that is faithful, but we won't be faithful to him. And what has happened to Israel, they got comfortable. They had money. They had left with the wealth of Egypt. They had forgotten God. They had gone astray, and they were very close to God at this point in time. But when things got good, they moved out of the way. And God says, you know what? I know how to show you that it's not you. I'm going to move back my hand to protection and let you know that it wasn't because you were a good fighter that you were conquering all your enemies. It's because I went before you and my angels went before you. And when you have to fight on your own, it's going to be a little bit tougher this time. So maybe next time when you get back up, you'll realize that it wasn't you in the first place. It wasn't your savvy that got you the job. It wasn't your intelligence that got you the job. It wasn't your charisma that kept you in the relationship. It wasn't you that made, make sure that why you are right now. It was only the hand of God for why you are where you are right now. They have forgotten God and God had allowed the enemy to come in and run rough shot over them. God had allowed the enemy to come in and to destroy Israel. And you have to know this, that in, in ancient times, the thing that made a city a city was its walls. Why? Because walls work. And when walls are built, they keep in attackers from coming in. They keep people who shouldn't be in from not being in. So any, any nation worth their salt, if 
they were going to be a real nation, they had to have walls around their city, fortified walls for protection. The walls of Jerusalem and, and even the walls of Jericho. You remember when they talked about Jericho? Jericho was so big and its walls were so wide that Rahab had a house on the wall, that people lived on the wall. Why? Because you were protected by your walls. But this time, when God allowed the enemy to come in, not only had they torn down the temple, but to make sure that they left Israel defenseless, they went to every gate in Israel and they tore it up and burned it. And they went to every wall and they knocked it down so they could say, you can exist. We're going to take some of you away, but you will never have defenses again. I am now going to make you weak and I am now going to make you and here it is that Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. And there have been several journeys so before this that exiles had started to go back to Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem, but they were in a Jerusalem without walls. <laughs> they were existing, but they had no protection. They were existing, but the and damage that had happened years before, they were just learning to live with it. They had learned to live without walls. They had learned to live in guilt. They had learned to live in shame. Well, Pastor, how is that important to me? Why do I need to know that? The reason I need to know this and why it applies to me today is because no matter where you are or what season of life you are in, you will, you will have to again, at some point in uh, time, pick up broken pieces in your life. Yes, amen. Life is hard. And just like Israel, when God is good to us, we tend to forget God. <laughs> we don't show up on, on Wednesday nights because we say, I just catch it on the TV. I just catch it on Facebook or YouTube. We get comfortable, don't we, Brother Day? I'm not fussing at y'all. We have a good time. Uh, we're here and we have a bunch of people in the Bible study. I'm grateful for the ones that come to Bible study. But isn't it amazing how we get comfortable? And many times when we get comfortable and we leave God, God will allow life to beat us all upside the head until we got nothing but trauma and we're surrounded by broken walls surrounded by broken promises, surrounded by broken dreams, surrounded by broken family, surrounded by broken marriages, surrounded by broken relationships, surrounded by broken minds and broken hearts. And you're just like Israel. You haven't attempted to fix the wall. You just learned to be functionally dysfunctional and live with your walls torn down. I've learned to, that I've used my anger or my upsetness or my anxiety as a defense mechanism. And so rather than get counseling, rather than seek God and get help, you know what I do? I just pretend like this is just the way I am and everybody has to deal with me. No, everybody doesn't have to deal with you after a while. People are going to stop dealing with you because you won't deal with the wall that are broken down. I have trust issues and I can't trust anybody. You're going to push people away because you won't deal with the fact that you're wrong are broken down. When Nehemiah talks to the exiles that are coming back, he says this. He says, and they said to me, verse 3, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. They forgot God. And although they made it back 
to where they used to live, now their situation is shameful. Anybody ever had a shameful situation? You did something God didn't want you to do, and now you realize that your life is wrecked, and you're in trouble and shame, and everywhere you look around, you don't see any hope because you see all these pieces that are broken in your life, and there are so many pieces. You ever filled out a puzzle? I love the big part that they make for the kids. You know why? Because there isn't a lot of pieces. But nothing is more frustrating than trying to fill out a puzzle that has thousands of pieces because there are so many pieces that you don't know where to start. I've come to talk to somebody. Is there anybody in here who's been broken so many times in your life? Every time you try to put your life back together, you say, Lord, I'll be honest. There are so many broken pieces in my life. I don't even know where to begin. I've been hurt so many times. I don't know which trouble to go back to. I've been disappointed so many times. I don't even know where to start. I fell so many times and my hope and my confidence is gone. I don't know where to begin and I feel overwhelmed. Nehemiah says he talked to them and they said that they were in exile and trouble and great shame. Why? Because the wall of Jerusalem had been broken down and its gates had been destroyed. Have you ever had a part of your life, financially or mentally or physically, where you felt just like your life had been destroyed? It'll never, you can keep it late, thank you so much, uh, that it'll never be the same again. That my life will never be the same. Thank you so much, Lathan, for the help. Cry, baby, y'all. I mean what I say. I'm, I, I want you to get this. Because God put on my heart, there are a lot of people dealing with hurts and pains and dealing with traumas and dealing with failures in life. And sometimes they don't come back to church because they feel like they fail so much that God can never forgive them. I want you to know that nothing that you have done that is stronger than the mercy and the love of God, that God so loved the world that he gave his own son, that whoever believes will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. Life. There is no valley that you can go into that is deeper than the mercy of God. There is no mountain that you can get stranded on that is higher oh, than the mercy of God. David put it this way, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're still there. I want you to know that God is there and he's able to help you rebuild your walls. But if God is going to help you rebuild your wall, see, I have a problem because they had, uh, me and I had contemporaries and other people had gone back to Jerusalem several times. They had done things, but nobody thought that I need to start building back the walls. I need to start working on myself. I need to start working on my attitude. I need to start working on my anger issues. I need to start working on my distrust. I need to start working on, on my deceitfulness. I, I lie when I get under pressure. You know, some people, when they get triggered, they, they lie. We, we, make so, we make so light of Abraham, but Abraham not so different from other people. There are people in this room, when you get under pressure, you lie. You won't tell the truth. You, you stretch it and you bend it. But here's the thing. Today, if you're going to build back the wall, the number one thing you have to do, everybody say, keep it real. <laughs> that's a popular phrase. But it's not a phrase that's used much in the church. You know why? Because we like to be fake in the church. 
We like to pretend that everything's all right and we got it all good together and our life is all well put together and we've been with God a long time and we don't have any issues and we don't have any struggles. But James said, if any man says he does not sin, he lies. All of us have issues and all of us have struggles. And guess what? Not only the people that are sitting in those seats, but the person who's standing here talking to you right now has things that need to be built back. Things. And need to be built. And I like what Nehemiah does. They come to Nehemiah and Nehemiah says this. He's the cupbearer for the king and it's time for him to pick up the pieces. And I want you to figure out, I'm going to give you a remedy for how to pick up broken pieces in your life. Anybody got some broken pieces that need to be put back together in your life? I got some. Anybody else? We all got some stuff that we need to fix. The number one thing is, everybody say face.